0: Be nice if all the teams went out and played like swaggering dandies as the Hamlet do. An absolute humdinger from about 25 yards. Get in! Swaggering dandies.
1: An absolute humdinger. Hello and welcome to Ford the Hamlet. Uh, Ben here as usual. In future episodes, we'll have a a nice, all-encompassing intro from myself, Danny and Hugo. For now, it's a bit of a DIY job, I'm afraid. Um, Before we head into this episode, which is the first part of uh, Danny Mills on racial profiling, I wanted to include some audio from a video that Danny shared with Hugo and I um, over the weekend. And in this video, which was posted on Twitter, um, essentially a young black guy has been pulled over in his new Mercedes and he's being held by the side of the road by a group of police officers and his friend is filming the uh, the incident. And it basically turns out that this guy has been pulled over because the police suspect that he might be in possession of drugs. Um, Now, towards the end of this clip, his friend who is filming asks a question which pretty much sums up what we're going to cover in these two episodes with Danny. Um, Just to give you a a brief overview before you listen to the audio, which I'll play in full. Um, They accuse him uh, of being in possession of drugs because he has a pot of Vaseline in the car. And apparently Vaseline is used to hide drugs uh, in someone's rectum. Um, which is known Uh, but then towards the end of the clip uh, the friend who is filming asks a question which they have no answer to and was the perfect question to ask Um, so here is the audio Uh, after this we will go into the chat with Danny but listen to this
2: He's just got the vehicle, from and say, it's a courtesy car he just picked up. None of you think you're a from... conversation, you're just throwing random words at no, me. No, I'm asking so think... a question. The vehicle's being searched right now, you happy with the search? Uh, it's not been finished. It's not, all right. Are you happy with the search on yourself? It's it's been... finished. I've just told you, it's not been finished. Oh, oh, finished. Yeah, but I'm, oh, finished. I'm asking, yeah, finished. Yeah, but I'm oh, asking you a question. Hey, do the... not want all right? That loan is an offence, so you do not want to get arrested. It's up police, okay? Film as much you like, just don't get in the way of what we're doing. Why is he arrested? I'm asking to the sergeant, But You seem to have him over here and you seem to have him. Seem to be searching his vehicle. So exactly. how do you, how's he obstructing? Exactly. Can we understand how he's obstructing?
1: I've,
2: I've not been here while they've arrested him. Alright, no, no, that's
1: going fine. That's fine. I'm just asking okay. why. How is he every, obstructing? Everything
2: that's happened. Yeah. has been recorded on body no, on camera. How is so he obstructing? I've just told you, I've not been. No, here. No, I'm asking them then. So I don't Excuse but, me. How how have tell you obstructed? How's he not I just told you that. Alright, let him ask. You ask why have you been obstructed? Ask them. He's got drugs in his car, but you can't find drugs. You've got Vaseline yeah. that can be used to plug stuff up your bum, apparently. It's Vaseline. You're not allowed to have Vaseline in your car. So, so, so hold on. So, so, hold on. So, you just made, so, you just made a stereotypical statement there a while ago, basically saying, because he's got Vaseline in his car, he's apparently concealing drugs. That's stereotypical. Is, I've got Vaseline in my car. So, what am it I concealing is drugs? Of what so, if you had Vaseline in your car, would it be for your lips or for your arsehole? Which one? That's the question. That so you, you right. you, no, it doesn't you make a difference. That's a if you had Vaseline thing, in your no. car, would you it be for you vas- t- right. your lips or your arsehole? You Which one? Without both of you talking over each other. No, no, All right? Because we might like. come to a bit of common ground here.
1: Okay? To search someone, we have to have reasonable grounds to suspect. Yeah. And what's your
2: reasonable
3: ground?
1: Let me finish. Let Let us speak. Let us speak. Let us speak. One of those things in this scenario, uh, is
3: that there's Vaseline in the car. Okay. okay. One okay. of those things. One of those things. Yes. right,
2: And
1: commonly, in Venice, you may that, be perfectly reasonable people I've never met you before. Okay. Okay? But sadly, a lot of people do like to plug drugs up their bum. Okay. To get it up there, they'd like right. lubricant. And that yes. lubricant, so, right. a lot of the time, so, right. is Vaseline. Okay. So that is one of the right. things that has made us suspect that he may be in possession of drugs. Okay, right. Okay, okay. that's
2: one of the things. Right, yeah. Now, right. hold on. Let me speak, let me speak. So, did you see that Vaseline when you drove past him? was a car car yeah, did you see that Vaseline when you drove? Did you see the Vaseline in the car when you passed it? Do you
0: think I saw the Vaseline when you drove it? So what... It would be nice if all the teams went south and played like swaggering dandies as the Hamlet do.
1: Danny Mills, the uh, haircut is looking... Uh in interest let's just say
3: <laughs> Lock, lockdown trim isn't it lockdown, lockdown
1: trim.
0: trims. yeah a <laughs> L- L- little bit longer than since you were last on forward definitely <laughs> definitely a little bit longer
1: <laughs> Hugo's is looking a bit uh trim mainly because my housemate actually did it a few weeks ago so he's coming, he's coming <laughs> to a bit of uh coming to a bit of a habit of doing all, all of our friends haircuts including Hugo's. <laughs> <Lisa>. <laughs> um so danny you're well known to us um in the club. Um, but for those viewers who aren't aware of who you are and your, your relationship with Dulwich Hamlet, um, how did you end up here?
3: So, uh, previously I've said I've, I've known Gavin, Gavin Junior Caddy, for, for quite a long time now probably about four or five years um, from the gym that I worked in, first started sort of speaking to them. I sort of knew who they were through obviously the, the club Dulwich Hamlet, but never really crossed paths with, paths with them. Um, and sort of over the years I've kind of been there or thereabouts maybe to sign for Dulwich they've they've always been interested in me and for one reason or another it hasn't happened and I suppose uh, last summer the, the stars sort of aligned really um, and it was a great opportunity for for me to come to the club be a part of the academy and it's one of the best best decisions I ever made really signing at Dulwich you know unfortunately the, the season came to a halt but I had a good season in terms of scoring 20 goals and uh, although the season wasn't maybe a success on 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 the pitch in terms of a team um, it, personally I've really invested into the football club been a big been a big part of things and yeah just uh, looking forward to the ne- to next season to be honest.
1: Those goals aren't going to be wiped in the record are they?
3: Well we'll find out probably in the next few days <laughs> we'll find out if they're going to null and void it or they'll do the points per game. I think uh, the, the solution should be this week. But either way, you know, you can't, uh, you know, I, I've enjoyed the oh, season.
1: Nice. <laughs> yeah, you can't deny you those goals. They happen. Yeah. Um, are you a South London boy? Did you grow up in South London?
3: I grew up in South London. So um, I was uh, born in uh, Craydon, Mayday Hospital and um, went to sort of primary school in, in Purley, actually and then moved when I was a bit younger to Forten Heath, and that's where I pretty much uh, I lived for the majority of my life until I, until I moved to, to Kent where I am now. Um, so yeah South London born and raised and yeah loved it loved living, loved living in London.
1: Um, and th- you know th- this, is, this is why we're here we want to we speak to you about your experiences um, growing up as, as a black man in the UK particularly in London um, and I know that you've got a few experiences which you want to kind of talk through with us today just to shine a light on, on growing up um, in London. Did you want to kick us off with the first one maybe?
3: Yeah, um, so like I said, I, I went to, to primary school in Purley, so my primary school was a, a predominantly white primary school, so I was probably one of two, three uh, black children in my year group there wasn't many in the school but i suppose as a child you don't really see color so i never i never really thought i'm black they're white or, or anything like that it was just growing up in in in, in school and I, and I and i and i loved school to be fair you know it was a, i had a great time i never like i said i never saw saw color or anything like that i never thought i was different to anyone um and the first time i probably really noticed or you know saw myself as not different but slightly maybe different to the other other kids was when we had another another black guy uh, joined out I think in year four or five and I got that feeling of like oh wow like you know someone else is here and you kind of feel like I want to make him feel welcome and and everything like that Um, but, but even so like I said I never really it never enough. Nothing really sort of affect, affected me there, and I was welcomed with open open arms. In terms of my my first experience of when I noticed that potentially black people are treated differently, I was only about twelve. I was about eleven or twelve, and I was living in Forton Heath at the time. So we had moved by then. We'd moved to Forton Heath, um, and I was in quite a diverse secondary school. I went to, to secondary school in Mitcham. So the school was, was really diverse and, and there was a lot of sort of black, Asian children there. So I was about 12 and me and my mum, we just went to the shop down the road from, from where we lived. And um, she was just buying some, some small bits and pieces that we were going to take home. And she said to me, oh, I want you to just... Uh, buy a few few other things and pay and, and come out so she wanted to give me a bit of experience handling money and just trying to give me a bit of independence which was pretty cool so I found this quite exciting I was like yes I mean sort of on my own I can pay things work out the change etc so I remember it was maybe a drink and a couple of maybe a loaf of bread eggs or something like that very simple items and I got to the counter and I was was i put the items on the counter was ready to pay and um the the, the shopping assistant um which was uh, an asian guy he was the the guy that was ser- was serving me he must have turned around for about three to four seconds it couldn't have been any longer than that to be fair was literally took my money was putting it in the cash ready to give my change and when he turned back to me he looked at i think it was like uh, you know the the lollipop stands. There was a lollipop stand there. And he said to me, and he accused me of stealing a lollipop. And it was so random. I I was just waiting for my change and ready to go. And he said, oh, put it back. That's what he said, he said, put it back. So I'm like, put what back? You know, I haven't haven't done anything wrong. And he said, no, you've stolen a lolly, you've stolen a lolly, I know you have. And this was quite a shock to the system because I'm quite young and no one's ever accused me of stealing before and I didn't really know what to do and how to approach the situation so I said to I said to him I, look I'm, I haven't stolen anything I can promise you that I haven't stolen anything you can check my pockets like I haven't I haven't got anything and he said oh just get out get out just leave so I took the items and he told and he, and, and I left and I'm not necessarily accusing this man of racism. That's not what I'm, I wouldn't want to say point blank that that man was racist. But it was the first time that I identified that, you know what, I might be, I'm being treated for a certain reason here because why, I didn't understand why I was being accused of stealing. I didn't understand why me type thing. Um, And when I left, I didn't really associate it with, with color or anything like that. And it was probably only when I sort of, you know, I got home, I'd, I'd let it marinate and let it sit with me that maybe, maybe every time I go into a shop now, I'm going to be accused of stealing. Maybe every time I go, go somewhere, people are going to look at me a certain way. I started questioning myself, do I look suspicious? Bearing in mind, I'm 11, 12 years old. I don't think, I don't know how you can really look too suspicious at, at, at that age, really. Um, but I was a child so it was it was a shock like I said and like I said I, I started questioning myself and, and was really quite nervous and anxious every time I went into a shop after that because I thought to myself I didn't ever put my hands in my pocket after that uh, every time I was at the counter I made sure that I was visually not stealing if that makes sense like I wanted to really over do it really like not stealing and here etc and that was really my first experience really uh, in 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 the sense where I thought maybe this is racial profiling not that I knew what that word meant that term meant at the time but now looking back I certainly believe that it was
1: so
0: that was really the first instance of you kind of recognizing the fact that this was having a big impact on how you led your day-to-day life Hundred percent, and I was only twelve years old, and
3: you know, at at that point, I was probably in year seven. So I was walking to school on my own. I was doing, you know, I had quite a bit of independence. Now I was doing quite a lot, so it certainly made me feel, like I said, it made me feel anxious about going into any shop, really, Um, and because what if, what if next time he doesn't ask me to leave, or what if next time he calls the police? What if the police then take his side? then what so you start all these things start going through your head um and you know luckily after that period I didn't really have any sort of experiences like that particular one but certainly for a long time after that I I didn't feel comfortable going into going into a shop
1: did you speak to
3: your mum about it so not immediately um because I know what my mum's like and she probably would have gone straight back down to the shop and she would have said, how dare you accuse my son of stealing, et cetera, et cetera. So I let it marinate, I let it sit for maybe a day or two. And then I told her and I said, you know, because she asked, why did it take you so long to get home? It was on literally pretty much on the same road where the shop was. And then I explained the situation to her and of course she was livid. She couldn't believe what, what had happened. um, And you know, we sort of just had a conversation really about, you know, you have to make sure, and she didn't speak about color or anything. You know, she wasn't, she didn't speak about being black. It was just, you need to make sure that you are not that it was my fault, of course, but you just need to make sure that you're trying to, to not maybe look a certain way or people are, people, people are, are going to maybe judge you a certain way and you need to just be who you are don't don't let people maybe accuse you of this stuff and stand your ground um because i know you're not you're not a you're not a, you're not a thief etc um but i think it's just being more aware of your surroundings i think that's what, what i t- kind of took from it um but she wasn't happy put it that way she was not happy and yeah that that was that was really it really
1: do you think it would have helped in any way if she'd been like brutally honest and just said you know this likely happened because you're a young black kid who is um is assumed to be more suspicious
3: um yeah m- may- maybe but then maybe not because i think i had already got that anxiety from going into a shop regardless of whether it was because i was black or not if that makes sense so even if maybe it was, look, as a, as, a, as a black boy, you're going to be suspected of X, Y, and Z. I, I, it might have brought about a small change, but that conversation didn't, it didn't really change the, the outlook I had on myself really and how I kind of conducted things daily, to, to be honest. And we didn't maybe start having those chats till maybe a little bit after, um, in in terms of that, you know, that aspect of things, but you know, it certainly made me more aware and a bit more streetwise as well. That's that's what it definitely done to me.
0: I think this is the one one of the topics that Ben and I have kind of raised before we started recording all this. That we talk about white privilege and these are kind of anxieties and issues that when we were kids we never even had to think about. And yeah. here already, with your first example, you've you've kind of come up with something where you're showing how you're you're compensating before you've even stepped in the door of an establishment. And I think having to confront that, even in just a small way, from from being so young, kind of sort of shows the the depth of what we're talking about here. It's so like, maybe that. Go on. No, no, you.
1: I was just going to say, it's like in terms of white privilege, it's like. If you're white, you're innocent until you're proven guilty. If you're black, you're guilty until you're proven innocent. Like, you've already lost when you walk in the door. Like, you're already expected to bring some sort of trouble into that guy's shop.
0: Which.
3: Yeah, I, I, I certainly thought, I certainly, when I look back now, like I said, I don't want to necessarily accuse that man of, of, of racism. Maybe there had been, maybe people had been shoplifting from his shop quite recently and he was maybe a bit nervous and maybe wanted to, uh, you know, make sure, but then at the same time, maybe not, you know, maybe you, you look, he's looked at me and thought, you know, he's, but ultimately he misjudged the situation. Um, and unfortunately, probably without even realising it, he's had such a big effect on a young person, which they've taken now and which they've had to take on in their life in, in terms of making them nervous. I don't think I stepped back back in that shop for a long time, to be honest. I was, I was really anxious about going into the same shop. And that was a shop down the road, which I would have probably gone in quite a lot. You know. So.
1: Yeah, so I mean, you're not even a teenager yet and you're already having to kind of adapt your behaviours to make sure that that kind of thing doesn't happen again um and yeah. so how, how old were you when you had the the second experience that you wanted to cover
3: um so this was a, a completely completely different experience i was uh t- 20 years old and to just put a bit of context into it i um not long past my driving test but well probably about a year or 18 months and i hadn't long been driving so i had a I think I had a, a blue peugeot 206 which i used to call my blue machine and um i had a i had an accident and crashed the car so i was given a courtesy car and the courtesy car was was brand was basically a brand new car it was a it was a 2010 polo i think it was um and i was a little bit i was excited because it's a new car i'm probably not going to have it long but i thought oh, i'll enjoy it while i have it and i was um a little bit <laughs> I suppose you're a little bit nervous and anxious being young, being black and having a car like that because you know that there's a, there's potential for you to now get stopped in this car. But I didn't really think any too, too much of it. I thought I'm just driving to football. I was driving from up and down Peterborough to Birmingham. I was doing a lot of driving in the car. So anyway, I I was in London actually when, uh, sort of at the start of my journey and what I'd done was I used to leave quite late uh, on a a Sunday to go back to Peterborough uh, just so that the roads were clear. I'd leave at maybe 11, half 11 at night just so the roads, it was a nice clean run. I could get back within an hour and 20 minutes, hour and a half. So I was on the motorway, I was driving back around that time, maybe about half 11 and there was as you can imagine, at that time of night, on a Sunday, there's no one on the motorway. No one on the motorway. It's empty. And I was, you know, I used to take my time, wasn't driving fast, maybe 65 miles an hour, between 65 and 70, just to, just to get back in good time. And I noticed when I was on the motorway, I was, on, I was probably in the middle lane to start off with. And a police car overtook me. So they overtook me. And I remember them looking in the car. So they looked in the car and, and, and saw me and they just drove past me. So, okay. But then I saw them slowing down and I thought, again, I didn't really think anything of it. So I just moved into the left lane. I was just driving, at my, you know, again, about 65 miles an hour. Um, and then eventually they ended up behind me and I thought, okay, right. I'm, I'm, I'm prepared now to be stopped. I'm ready to be stopped. I know this, I know this is going to happen fine so eventually they obviously pulled me over and uh, and 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 yeah stopped me flashed their lights etc and i pulled over obviously on the on the verge i think my car was slightly in the left lane slightly but as you can imagine there's no one there's no one on the motorway literally no one there's there's two cars and that's me and that's the the police the police car and the policeman came running over the car bang, bang, banged on the window, really aggressively. He said, you're in the left lane, move over, move over. And I thought to myself, all right, you don't need to be so aggressive the way you're saying it. There's no cars, it's not five o'clock on a, on a weekday, everyone's not leaving work. So that was the, I was like, what, why are you being so aggressive for a start? So I moved my car over the two inches that I needed to, and then got out of the car, then he got, you know, came back out and he said, you're driving too slow. That's why I pulled you over. I was driving too slow. So I was confused because I was like, driving too slow. I, was driving at, I wasn't driving at 30 miles an hour on the motorway. I was driving about 65 miles an hour, 67 miles an hour. So I'm, I'm within the, the, the speed limit. I'm not driving in any way which will suspect you, that I to suspect I'm drunk or or anything like that, he said, you're driving too slow. And I was like, well, I said, how fast should I be driving? I'm driving between 65 and 70. And he said, no, you're just, you're just driving too slow. That's why we pulled you over. And he said, is this your car? And I said, um, no, it's not. And before I could even explain that this was a courtesy car, he had this big grin on his face. And I always remember the, the grin that he had on his face. He said, oh, okay. And, he was just about to tell me to get out of the car. And I said, well, firstly, it's not my car. This is a courtesy car. And I've had the car for a couple of months now while my car's been waited to be written off. And then he said to me, okay, well, I'm gonna have to verify that because I don't believe you. I was like, okay, fair enough. Go and look at the license plate. You can check that it's a, a courtesy car. And he wanted my license, fine. So I gave him my license, he checked the car came back and he said, how long, how long did you say you've had it? And I said, about a couple of months. Um, and he goes, okay, um, how long do you think you're going to have it? And I said, how, I, how, I don't know how long I'm going to have the car for, but this, that's what, that's, that, that's how, I've had it for two months, basically. Um, and he said, well, this car is registered in London. Why are you here? And I'm probably, I was probably about, I was on the motorway, so I was probably around the Cambridge area. So he couldn't understand why I was here. And I said, well, I live in Peterborough at the moment. Eventually, after he finished questioning me and I said, did you you find out that it was a courtesy car? He didn't answer me. He just said, fine, you can go. And I came away from that experience again, definitely believing that I was in a situation where I was pulled over probably because of the colour of my skin. That's what I honestly believe. The reason why I thought that was because, firstly, they passed me before. So they saw who was in the car. And when I'm talking about the, the car being a new car, they saw that it was a new car. So they saw a young black boy driving a new car. I don't know what they were thinking. I don't know what they were thinking. And again, it, it made me think that when I get my new car, I'm not buying a new car not a new, new car, I'm gonna buy an old car. Cause chances are I probably won't be stopped in an, in, in an older car. Um, and again, it impacts how you now live your life. And to this day, every time I see a police car behind me, you think, well, oh, I'm probably gonna get stopped now. Not for any reason, not for, not for any genuine reason, but you just believe you're just gonna get stopped. I have tax, I have insurance, the car's in my name. There's no reason to, to, to stop me. They can check everything on, on a license plate. It's, uh, I wasn't, you know, you're not driving in, in any way which would make them want to stop you. But, yeah, that was my second, se- second one, one of my experiences that I had. Is that the only time you've been called over? By the police? Certainly not. No, it's certainly not. Um, I can give you a, an example, actually. I was, stopped, um, I was stopped with Osei Sankofa, who used to play. For, for, for Dulwich. Now, in this incident, I was going down to Whitehawk and we hadn't got out of London yet. We probably made it to Callsdon and I was just driving, what was I driving? I think an Astra. I was driving an Astra and there was about three of us in there. All three- there were three black boys in the car. So I was driving and then I pulled into the Starbucks by Hooli um, because we were picking up someone else and the car came behind me. I didn't actually know there was someone following me, but they came behind me and they said oh that's good that you stopped because we were going to stop you anyway and I said okay why why were you going to stop me and by this time I'd already been stopped before so I knew what the process was and they said to me this was this is what I was told there has been a uh, there has been a recent surge in car thefts in this area I said okay so what's that got to do with me?" And they said, well, we're just stopping random cars to make sure that the vehicles are not stolen. And I said, well, you can check my license plate while you're behind me. And um, they said, no, we just want to make sure that. But the whole aura and the energy wasn't right. It wasn't right. There was three black boys in the car. They knew that, that, that there, was, there was three black boys in the car. And they wanted to know what if we were up to no good, in my opinion. And the questions that were being asked, they wanted the identifications of the, the guys in the car, O's and, and the other guy. And I remember Ose saying, well, no, I haven't done anything wrong. Why why, why, why why, am I giving you ID? And I said, look, I'm the driver. This is my vehicle. You can check the plate. This is fully insured and taxed. Here's my license done. And anyway, Obviously, they, 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 let us, they, they let us go, et cetera. But it's just another experience, which it just rubs you up the wrong way.
0: And both, and of those
1: experiences, both of those experiences, to me, kind of, I would have felt, I imagine you, you might have felt as well, like the police weren't, you know, the police are supposed to be there to protect you, right, and keep you safe in case you're ever, you're ever in danger. And yet, it's kind, it's kind of like in both occasions, like they're attacking you instead of, Definitely. Instead of protecting you, so you just start building up this, this, uh, this opinion and this relationship with the police that they aren't going to, they probably aren't going to be on your side.
3: No, and I and I think in both cases, the excuses as to why I was stopped were pretty ridiculous in the circumstances. Driving too slow on the motorway when I'm not driving any slower than sixty-five, sixty-seven miles an hour, and because. There has been a surge in car thefts in the area. That, so you could pull you could pull everyone over then, for for that excuse, or you pull so if the car is registered as stolen, you can pull someone over. But it's not. So, so yeah, that was another one. Basically, just being pulled over, but you know, by police. And um, like I said, it it doesn't really doesn't give you full confidence in them. Put it that way.
0: You know, yeah, but, I think again it, it it plays into this idea that Ben suggested of uh, being guilty until being proven innocent like you' you're assumed to have done something before you're even a, given a chance to explain yourself and you shouldn't even need to explain yourself in the first place but you do because this is the the way that society is structured especially in institutions like the police um, I just wanted to ask you about. You you said in at the beginning of the uh, the story from Peterborough that you were sort of twenty early twenties and you already kind of, perhaps, had an idea that you know, getting this new car, being a black man, uh, you know you might be a cause for suspicion. You were aware of that. Can you remember the feeling of like, moving from those being just suspicions to it actually happening to you and sort of having to take that on board personally. Um. Yeah, I think when it,
3: you see these things happening and you hear these stories happening with you know friends, family perhaps, and it's very different when you go through an experience yourself. It's very different because a story is a story and someone's experience is, is, is an experience, but it's that old saying, you don't know what someone's gone through until you've walked in their shoes. And every situation is is quite unique in the way it happens. And I think when it actually happened to me, you you're you're made to feel like you've done something wrong so even in that scenario there i was thinking to myself oh my god i hope the courtesy car company have made sure the paperwork's right i hope that they've made sure that they've said that i have this car and that the insurance is right and that you start panicking and thinking because i'm about to get arrested here if this isn't if this is if the paperwork's not right because i know i have a, i pretty much know they're not going to believe me Especially not the way the interaction was going. There was already that. I don't believe that this is your car. That vibe, that energy, and um, obviously, thankfully, everything was fine. I knew it was fine in the first place, but like I said, you're made to feel like this. You've done something wrong.
1: It's a total lack of trust, right? And uh, and and because of that, a total lack of respect on on their side.
3: <clears throat> yeah, definitely, definitely, and I don't know what again I can't accuse that individual of being racist but what I can say is that I definitely think that there was a motivation to stop me because I was because I was black that's what I that's what I felt at the time and that's what I still feel to this to this day and I don't know what thoughts were going through his head or or, or whatever but you know it's uh, again it's, it's just another experience it's another experience.
1: And um, I know there was a third one you wanted to uh, take us through as well. Can you take us through that?
3: Yeah, so this again is, a, is very different to, to, to the other two experiences. And it involves being stopped by the police again, but for a different reason. So I, I used to work in Beckenham uh, at, at the David Lloyd there. And I was a part of the sort of, management team there so as part of your as part of your responsibilities you have to close the club at night so you're the last to leave you set the alarms make sure everything's closed windows are closed etc so i was just going through a normal close i was counting tills cashing up etc locking up set the alarm made sure the last staff had left and all the mem the last set of members had left the club and i drove out and i was lock, locking the gate to, to come out and i want to make it clear that i was wearing david lloyd uniform so it was obvious that i worked for david lloyd very obvious i had a t-shirt on that said david lloyd i had trousers on that said david lloyd it was obvious that i worked for david lloyd and when i was closing the gate i noticed a police car driving slowly past me immediately you think here we go here we go i haven't done anything wrong but They'll find a reason to stop me. So they drove slowly. They looked at me, and clearly you could see that I was wearing David Lloyd uniform. And I think an intelligent person puts two and two together and says, "That's a David Lloyd club. That person's wearing David Lloyd um, uniform. They must work for David Lloyd." Um, but I didn't actually get stopped there and then, which I thought, "Oh, okay, fine. They've seen that I work for David Lloyd. No worries. Cool." Um, just to put it into context as well, I was in a well-lit area. So David Lloyd obviously had a lot of floodlights by the entrance. Um, I'm, I'm assuming CCTV, etc. So I, I got in my car and I drove maybe 50, 60 metres down the road, blue flashing lights, and I, was, and I was pulled over. And I thought, why didn't you just stop me there? You've 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 given past, You've looked at me, just stop me there. So they they pulled me over and I said, "Can I help? Is, is everything okay?" Like, and they said to me, um "Well, we, we 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 just wanted to stop you. We were just turning around because um we just thought like it was, it was a bit suspicious that you were coming coming out and it, it just didn't look right." I was like, "Okay." So, by this time, I'm a bit older, I'm about 24 years old. So I'm a bit more streetwise. I've I've gone through a few of experiences and probably a bit more confident in backing myself now so i i explained to them what 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 is suspicious why 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 am i suspicious and i was making it very obvious that i was wearing david lloyd uniform in the car and they said well you know you were you know you were closing a gate and we just weren't we you know we we just want to know what you were doing so i said to them well i work here you can see that I work here. I've got David Lloyd uniform on. And they said, well, we, we don't know that. We just know that you're wearing a uniform. You could be anyone. And that's, that's when I kind of, I had to sort of bite my teeth a little bit. And uh, I said, well, if you don't believe that I work for David Lloyd and you think that I'm suspicious, then what am I doing here? What What is the reason? What do you think I've done? I don't understand. Like, what do you think I've done? Um, and they couldn't answer me. They couldn't answer me. And, um, I said, here's my David Lloyd membership card, my team member card, you know, what, wh- wh- what, else is there that you, that you want from me? And they said, no, we just, you know, we just wanted to make sure where we, you know, we looked a bit suspicious. And like I said, you I had to bite my tongue, um, because it was, it was the first time that I'd really felt real anger. I think because I'm just doing my job. I'm literally just doing my job. It's half 10, 11 at night. I've been working eight, nine hours. I just want to go home now. And again, you're made to feel like a criminal. And the reason why I put the floodlight um, or the lights, the streetlight into context for you is because where I was stopped, there wasn't really many lights. There probably wasn't CCTV. And you know, back, well, it's not It's not a long time ago, but I think now we have a um, very, we've got a lot of, we've got camera phones now, people are filming more, and probably if I was in that situation today, I probably would have filmed it, and probably would have said, well, I want you to explain why, What. What. what, what looks suspicious, what is suspicious, why do I look suspicious, because I was literally doing my job, I was in full uniform, there was no reason to not believe what i was saying but again um another situation where i felt very uncomfortable and very angry with the way i was treated even if they were being genuine they might have been but it didn't feel like that that's for sure because of the way they drove past saw me turn around specifically came into an area where there maybe wasn't many people
0: it would be nice if all the Went out and played like swaggering dandies, as the Hamlet do. An absolute humdinger from about 25 yards. Get in. Swaggering dandies. An absolute humdinger. Swaggering dandies.